even let's say if you were a hundred meter runner and you you discover that actually you've got this natural ability to run it doesn't mean that your next step is the olympics you still have to go for a training process where you really hone that ability so as soon as you now see what your top 10 are you may have naturally been using them in places but actually still there is development that needs to take place with all 10 of those talents in order for you to maximize um, the ability that you have and you still need to learn how to work those talents together with the other talent that you have in order to maximize those so there's still a training period that you need to go to to learn to maximize those welcome to the hr lnd podcast where we explore cutting edge hr trends and best practices with top leaders who are shaping the future of work my name is nick day and i'm founder of jga recruitment group a specialist hr search firm I'm also a qualified executive coach and a recognized HR thought leader listed on Thinkers360. Together, we're gonna dive into topics from diversity and inclusion to technology, learning curation, and employee experience to help you evolve your people and your development strategies. So whether you're a flourishing HR executive, a rising manager, or a seasoned CHRO who's driving transformation, this podcast is for you. So grab your coffee and let's play. Hello and welcome back to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JGA Recruitment Group, and we're specialist HR recruiters. Remember, if you enjoy this show, please do subscribe to it. Please do share it with all of your HR colleagues and friends. And hopefully together, we can all raise the profile of human resources for everyone globally. Now, today, I'm really excited because I'm joined by John Abadipe, someone who formerly worked as a senior business analyst and business-focused change professional for over 10 years, where he was focused on strategic business change and process development before he pivoted and became a Gallup-certified performance and development coach. He now specializes in the personal development of leaders, and he helps them to create really high-performing teams. He focuses on transformational, sustainable change, and he does this by working with clients from CXO to operational levels, but he delivers programs that meet a huge plethora of strategic objectives. I know this because for full transparency, I'm someone that's actually undertaken one of his assessments myself, and I used John personally to walk me through that assessment uh, as we went through. And I'm sure some of those insights may well come through during the course of this show, so stay tuned for that. But interestingly, his superpower, his ability, is really all about discovering how we can unlock and unblock sometimes the real impacts and strengths that live within us all. And he does that to really help empower us to make a bigger impact, a bigger positive impact on the world. So without further ado, please let me welcome personal professional growth coach, John Obadipe to the thank HR l and podcast. John, how are you doing today? I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. It's good to meet you again on a slightly different capacity. Usually uh, it's me uh, talking to you and and in a coaching capacity. And today yeah. we're on a podcast show. So I'm very excited to get started. No, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so let me start the show. You know how you know how it goes. First question yes. for you today. What do the words human resources mean to you? That is a great question. Um, to me, human resources is all about managing the precious resource of human beings. Now, each of those human beings comes with lots of different abilities and capabilities. And so the human resources leaders, teams, they have that, um, that great privilege of managing the resource coming into the business and um, through the life cycle of the business and then obviously exiting the business. Um, but it's really harnessing the power of all of those abilities that each human being brings into a business. 
Yeah, I love that. I love the fact you really focused on the human. I think there's a lot of debate at the moment as to whether human resources is still the right title. It's about yeah. human centricity and leading human centric yeah. teams. And and I think there's a lot of uh, people wanting to move the industry into uh, people as the main title rather than, than resources. So yeah, I like the yeah. fact you focus on the human there. But I, I may well have butchered your introduction. I, I know you <laughs> through the coaching capacity, but I would love it if you could bring, um, I guess, your your experience to the table here. Just, just give the audience a bit of an insight into who you are and what you do, because you've had an interesting journey and that's brought you here today to the show. Yes, yeah. So I, as you said in your intro, I used to be a change uh, professional. So working with businesses, going through process change, system change. And I just found over the course of my career that working into processes and systems didn't really give me much of the satisfaction I was looking for in life. But actually, when I would be in conversations and interviews and, and calls with the actual individuals, the stakeholders that were making the changes or involved in the change, I found that I was much more inclined towards the person their story, where they're trying to go. Um, and although I was still successful in getting the job done, I didn't take my eye off that, there was a real connection with people and, and helping people kind of move forward. And those conversations would just naturally progress. So um, I, it, during the lockdown, as many people did, and actually many, for many years before that, I've been coaching in an unofficial sense, but during the lockdown, I made it official. Um, and I really wanted to just try and understand how can I use the, the office of coaching to really be able to bring the most out of people and unlock them from this state of unhappiness in the roles that they may be working in. Because a lot of the time it's just I'm not happy with where I am, but I don't know why. And that question has always, always intrigued me. So that was sure, and kind of my beginnings. It's an old question as well. It's something that's repeated through the you know through the, since the dawn of time, right? But um, yeah. certainly since the pandemic in the in the world of HR and people, we know there's a lot of people suffering from burnout, a lot of plates being spun in the air, trying to keep them all together, and it's, it's quite difficult. Yeah. What I thought yeah. was really interesting when I met with yourself, and uh, we've met several times now before this show, is you have a real passion for what I would term positive psychology. Focusing on strengths, not not yeah. focusing on weaknesses, not necessarily looking backwards, looking forwards. So yeah. I wonder if you could just tell the listeners a little bit more about your your um, your ethos, I guess, but also more importantly, what is a unique strength? Because that's really certainly in, in my experience of working with you, that's what we focus on. We focus on strengths, yeah. not on weaknesses. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So if I talk about my ethos first, my ethos um, is all about looking at where a person is good, where they are great, um, what positive things that they have to, to give to the world. And so on my journey of trying to work out how I um, entered this world of coaching, I stumbled upon a company called Gallup. And so they shared my ethos and I really connected with their ethos. They have um, a method around positive psychology. Um, so the, the general premise is for years, and I say this to all of my clients, so they've all heard this many times before, but for years, going coming from childhood, and I've got three kids, so I know this very well, we talk to our kids, and as they age, um, the teenagers into sort of first jobs, all about what they're doing wrong, what they could improve on. But rarely is there a focus on the things that they actually do really, really well. And rarely is there a massive push to really expand on those things that, that are really, really good. You might see in the areas around football, 
or um, I don't know, particular individual areas, but not where a person is taken in terms of all of the things that they do well and, and those things magnified, those things are maximized. So when we look at um, the Gallup approach, they use something called Strength Finder, um, which is a fantastic tool that really helps people understand what their unique strengths are. Um, and so uh, we put people through an assessment which uncovers all of these um, uh, talents or, or strengths, and it shows from a range of areas what they are naturally, and natural is the, is the key word there, what they're naturally inclined to be good at, um, what they naturally excel at without even trying, what is innate to them, so they can't turn it off, it's just natural to them. And we focus on how those strengths um, can be maximized in a person's job, whether they're a leader, whether they're a manager or just a, a professional, how can those strengths and be maximized. But to really answer your question, the strength is something which is a natural ability that somebody has, a way that they think, a way that they behave, a way that they process things, which they just cannot turn off. It's just totally innate to them. Amazing. We'll go into a little bit more about some of my results perhaps later on to bring that into context because there were some interesting learnings from my perspective. And I think yeah. it was interesting when we met, I tended to focus on my own negatives or how I perceive negatives. And you kept repivoting and going, let's not talk, let's look at it a different way. So and I, I, I highlight that now because it must have played a part in the way, in the, re, in, in, the, in the reasoning that you decided to follow the path you have in taking the Gallup approach. So where has all this come from? You said you, you know, you were working in change, you're in the pandemic, you, you realized you're already coaching and it's something that you loved. But yeah. coaching is is a very, very broad industry, and we can focus in many disciplines. Some are very niche, some are uh, life coaches, executive coaches, specialist coaches in trying to quit a particular habit, whatever it might be. And you've yeah. you focus very much on strengths and, and positive psychology. I wonder if you yeah. I guess if you can A just tell the audience what positive psychology is because i think it's a, it's a term we're hearing a lot about but people aren't necessarily fully under, you know fully familiar with the term yet and why that was a kind of a path that really appealed to you Absolutely. So if I go again back to referencing Gallup, Gallup was um, started by a man called Donald Clifton. And he did an initial study which re really looking at why leaders across the world are successful. And he focused on a, a full range, so there was no specificity to America or to the UK or to um, APAC. Um, but what he found was that across the spectrum, um, old and young, leaders arrived at success in multiple different ways, but they all still arrived at success. So there was no one way to be excellent or to be successful. And so the more he studied, the more he found these, um, these groupings or these themes that were apparent patterns across those success um, methods that people used. And so what he decided to do is take these 34 themes that he'd really identified and identify them with particular names, which we could now call strengths. And so these um, strengths can now be seen within individuals um, after going through an assessment to really understand I'm more naturally inclined towards getting to success through this method or through that method or using this ability or through this process of thinking. And so that, that's what we now term as strength now. And so with this understanding, I can now look at myself in the mirror and see the things that I'm naturally strong at and my actual route to success being through those methods. And so now as a coach, what I was really drawn to 
is the fact that nobody has to be the same as the next person. Yeah. We can all reach success, but it's going to be for our own unique way of doing it and our own unique combinations um, of doing it. Um, but actually through those unique ways, we will all still arrive there. So let's all get focused on the way that we specifically get to success. And yeah, so and now I, and we, again, yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that approach because when we talked about leadership offline, yeah. we sometimes think there's a cookie cutter approach to what a good leader is. And we look, we look yeah. right or we look left and go, I wish I had that skill. Or I wish I was yeah. more like that. And we sometimes yeah. therefore think that we're inadequate or we, we lack the skills required to be a good leader. But actually, as you mentioned to me, you know, offline is the Clifton report really showed that there is no specific formula for what strengths make a great leader. And there were great leaders with all different types of strength profiles. Um, and then when we did the assessment, of course, what I predicted would be my top strengths actually weren't necessarily what came out. And they were, they were in the top 10, but they weren't number one and they weren't number two and necessarily in the places that I thought they would be. And it was only really when we un, you know, got under the cover of some of that stuff but I and I did end up in full agreement with where the strengths lied by the end of the conversation that we had. It took a little getting me there. Um, yeah. But you also uncover things about yourself that that I found were really, really useful in the way we do things day to day. So to give the audience a very quick, um, and there may be people that resonate with this. One example was a lot of people say that or my wife in particular will often say, Nick, you, you, you're never present. Your mind's always somewhere else. You're never present. I feel like I am being present, but we're watching a movie or we're, we're talking about a problem or a business or whatever it might be. And I'm already thinking about how to solve whatever it is that's in front of me. So I am present. It's just my mind's raced on. And my number yes. one thing that came back was strategic thinking. And you, you, when we looked at the strength report, you said, you know, if me and my wife are looking at the same view, she's yes. enjoying the view and she's present in inverted commas. I'm still yes. present. Well, I'm already thinking about you know, what I can do with that view or how am I going to utilize that in a different way? Or And it was really interesting to think for me, oh, that's not a weakness then. Because I had I had a concern internally, which I hadn't expressed to anybody, even the first time I've done it publicly would be now. But I thought I had a problem where I could never be present. Yes. And it's just understanding that mindset really made me think, ah, it's not even a weakness, actually. It's a strength. If I understand it, then I can hone it. I can use it to, 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 as a strength in that way. Um, that was one example that I had, but there must be other examples you've had with clients which have really opened their, their thinking to enable them to be more effective. I wonder if you can share, and I hope the example I gave is a good one, but if you've got any others to share. It's I'd a fantastic one, and, and honestly, it warms my heart because it, it's it's too often that throughout the, the kind of school years or the earlier years of a person's life, they're told these things constantly, that you are to this, you are to that, you're not enough this or not enough that. And actually, because somebody doesn't measure up to the cookie cutter or the shape that somebody else has in their mind, then suddenly they're not enough of, of, in themselves. And I, I, yeah. that's always, always frustrated me. Um, because just because you can't recognise the brilliance in, in somebody's approach doesn't mean it's not brilliant. But I get it. If you don't have that knowledge, you don't recognise the brilliance. But I, I'm so happy that I can bring that to light for people. So in that in that case, your mind is super fast. It's constantly running ahead to see what is next. And if we apply that into that business context, you can see that in a meeting, as somebody's making a particular suggestion about a particular way we could go, your mind will be thinking five, ten steps ahead and seeing where the pitfalls could be and seeing how we can navigate across that. Someone might have the idea, but not necessarily have the method to get there, whereas you're already on that method. So you're already adding value to that conversation as soon as you start to, to offload what's in your mind about that suggestion, which is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. I, I love the, um, the way that you take it all with a positive 
positive outlook, which is which is really great. So if someone's listening to this and they want to find out what their strengths are, and I I, yes. I recommend everyone does this. You know, I I, I I've actually uh, to give some credence to this. It's not me just saying it. I've got my wife now to do the assessment, as you know, she hasn't done it yet. But uh, I'm really intrigued to see how we fit together because we're so different. And and I have I suspect I know what her strengths might be, having gone through the assessment now. But I'm really yeah. keen to understand if I'm correct, and uh, really keen to understand if it helps her, like it's helped me. So um, I'm brought in, but to to get the people that are listening to the show, if they want to know what their strengths are, what's the process? So it's really simple. Um, either you'd go through as someone like me as a coach um, and we'd set you up with the codes that you need. Um, but essentially, you'd be going through a 30 minute assessment and that takes you through a number of questions. Um, most of us have done these kind of assessments before, but I can assure you this is one of the most sophisticated assessments um, that, that exists. Um, and so after that 30 minute assessment, you that it then spits out a, a report that shows your 34 talents in order. And what it does is then focuses on your top 10, because that's where you're going to have the most natural kind of connection to those particular talents. Um, That's going to be where you most naturally flow. That's going to be the things that you naturally work through in terms of those top 10 talents. Um, So once we as a, once I as a coach um, get a view of your top 10 talents, I can then take you through and help you really understand um, who you are for your talents. Now, you don't necessarily have to go through a coach. Um, you can just look at your top 10 and it gives you so much information from the reports that you get back. Um, that might be enough for some people. Um, but for some people, they want to really push forward and become the very best that they can be. And this is the very starting point, just understanding that top 10 and having a coach really run through the pros, the the challenges, um, the things to really unlock the the best out of those talents and how they work together, as I say. It's not just 10 that that work independently. Actually, there's some dynamics that work together when you have one talent next to another or one with another three. So a coach can really help you understand that detail. Yeah. I mean, certainly I remained sceptical uh, all the way through, even right up until I got the strength report. It was only really when you brought it to life that I was uh, I was converted in terms of my understanding of it, really. I, I didn't mean to come in with such a sceptic point of view, but I, but I did. And I think with so much generative AI at the moment, chat GPT and things like that, sometimes I think it's the the results you get need to be contextualized by a human for us to really get the, the, the biggest benefit. The reports are great, but for me, I got the reports, read them and when you make your own interpretation, sometimes that can be yeah. dangerous. Uh, having yes. someone else interpret it for you can be really, really helpful. But that was my experience. But there were people listening to this and they go, okay, so we've identified what our strengths are. Yeah. But I want to know what they do next with those. But also, yeah. what about our weaknesses? Are they something we should be even, even considering at the moment? Or should we really be staying in that positive mindset space? I'll, I'll take the two points. So in terms of what to do next, even let's say if you were a 100-meter runner, and you you discover that actually you've got this natural ability to run, it doesn't mean that your next step is the Olympics. You still have to go through a training process where you really hone that ability. So as soon as you now see what your top 10 are, you may have naturally been using them in places, but actually still there is development that needs to take place with all 10 of those talents in order for you to maximize um, the ability that you have. And you still need to learn how to work those talents together with the other talent that you have in order to maximize those so there's still a training period that you need to go to to learn to maximize those um in terms of weaknesses i'll take it from two angles if let's say i had the talent of communication 
And I am very good at understanding that this is where my audience is right now. This is where I need to get them to. But there's, there's a process I need to take them on to get them to that end point. Someone with a communication talent or the talent of communication, slightly different to the normal definition of communication, they naturally understand how to take people on a journey with words, with pictures, with some sort of vehicle to get them to that end journey. It's a fantastic talent. A lot of marketers will have that talent. On the flip side, someone with a communication talent can naturally be inclined to talk a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love the, the, the sense of conversation. And so there are times where you need to learn when to talk and when not to talk. And we call those blind spots of the talent you need to understand this is the power of the talent but these are also the blind spots so and in the terms of weaknesses that's what we would term as a weakness just the blind spot of a talent on the other side there are the areas of non-talent so where you've got your concentration of your top 10 things you're most naturally inclined to be able to do and do really well um there's the other side where you've got your bottom five bottom 10 where there's really very little natural inclination at all. That's what we typically in the in the normal world call weaknesses. And so there can be the tendency to really concentrate and most of, of life will teach us to concentrate on those things as weaknesses and really spend time trying to get them better. The problem is with the most investment, you're never ever really going to be able to turn that weakness into any more than anything that's average. It will never, ever become a strength because there's no natural inclination. There's no natural ability there. And so if I was a, a, an investor, would I spend my, t- my, my money, the, my investment um, capital in an area which could only be average? Or would I spend it in something which could be uh, have an exponential growth? And the thing for me is let's put all of our time and our energy into those abilities that we have that can really help us see that genius level, that flow state, that real ability that can help us stand out and have that competitive edge against the people that we are um, kind of in, in business side by side. Have you ever asked yourself, how can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. A couple of things come to mind there, um, John. I mean, one is you mentioned earlier about children, often, you know, people's childhoods that we focus on the, the 3% we didn't get right, not 97% that we did in an assessment or something like that. But actually, there's the, you can bring that into the work context as well. Often, from a leadership context, people will spend their time on the on the weakest, in inverted commas, performers. Yes. And sometimes in doing that, we neglect the top performers that are actually you know responsible. It might only be 10 of those, but they're responsible for 90% of the sales. And yes. in, instead, we spend all our time on the, the the 90 others that only contribute 20% of the sales, whatever it might be. And yeah. often it's the wrong way around. And I think that I think that's quite I thought that was quite an interesting observation in how, yeah, we can we can spend all our time on the weaknesses, but why not really focus on the strengths? I think that's something that came through the coaching. And we coaching as a definition for me is yeah. it's all about raising awareness. Awareness 
and insights and insights lead to action. Action leads to change. So I'd much rather have insights about positive things that yeah. I can immediately action and change for, for a positive outcome than really yeah. be, be knee deep in the, in the negative side of things. Um, and talking about the blind spots, interestingly, in, in my own assessment, there is one. And I, I suspect there may be other people listening to this that have the same blind spot as I, just because this podcast is listened to by a lot of strategic thinkers and HR strategic level individuals. And for me, strategic thinking came out top. And one of my, you were talking about how we're, we're trying to think two steps ahead. Well, that often means I can interrupt. You know, I, I sometimes <laughs> really struggle to wait to find out yeah. where someone's going when I think I already know the answer. And it is a blind spot because sometimes if you do jump in, you realize the answer you think they're going to come to isn't the answer at all. And that's where it can, can get found out. And sometimes patience is a real thing I've got to really uh, be, be aware of sometimes when people are, are making a point. Don't always jump in really, really quickly. So, 100%. And, and also I'll just add to that, that even as there's a natural, natural inclination for you to get to the end, um, or for you to jump in, it's because you want to quickly get to the end. So every time I'm talking to somebody with strategic, I always have to teach them. You need to show people around you that all you need are the top three most salient points of the conversation. I don't need war and peace. Just give me the most critical pieces because with those pieces, that's when I will activate. And really what you're saying, that's where my strategic talent will activate activate and work at its best. If I'm bored to death, there's going to be a quickening in me that come on, hurry up, get to the end. And that's where that, part of you that wants to finish off people's sentences is going just let's get to it so we can crack on so there's there's a when we talk about self-awareness it's being aware of how each talent works what it needs what we need to kind of hold back on and be patient with but what essentially the talent is looking for so it can really work at its best now if you know you've got 10 of these and you know how each one of them work you get more self-awareness and, and control of yourself to get the most out of every situation you walk into. Yeah, for sure. I feel like singing the song, you know me too well. Uh, but also <laughs> there's, you know, if you can go back to coaching and the Tim Galloway quote when he wrote the, the Inner Game of Tennis, it's all about helping people to play their best game. And yes. um, if we can do that, I think yeah. that's that's really important. So let's let's bring that into a work context then. What are the, yeah. what are the, the, the professional and commercial applications of using strengths analysis in the workplace? Yeah. So typically, I will always start with a, a leader because, as we know, it flows from the head down. If the leader's got their heads really screwed on, if they really understand who they are and what they're bringing to the table, then it just in a practical sense, in a meeting, they know what expectations they have of themselves. They know what expectations they have of the people that are around them. They know what will excite them. They'll know what annoys them. And they'll also find that there are areas that they really should double down on and really maximize. And then there's the things that they need to watch out for. Um, I've heard many complaints about leaders and the lack of self-awareness that they have because they're in that position of power not many people can speak back to them or challenge them in their approach even if you don't get challenged by the people that you are um, working with because even when there are things that they don't like that you do doesn't mean that that's a positive thing it's never really a positive thing number one you want people to be open with you 
But number two, you actually want to bring your own level of self-awareness as to who you are and how you can be around people, because then people then want to follow you. They want to kind of give their all because you're actually a good person to work around. So I start with the leader and help them gain that level of self-awareness as to who they are, how they can maximise. Then I go across the leadership team. So then I'll progress to understand, okay, who are all of the leaders that are leading this business? How do they best play together to get the most out of themselves and the most out of this team dynamic that they've got? And how do they lead the organisation as best as they can? And then typically once I've been through that process, they're so bought into the process, they now recognise so much about themselves and and those that they work with, that they say it it only makes sense to go down to our our own teams, our own direct reports and those that that flow into them. So then you start to convert the head all the way down to the body and it becomes a a very intelligent organisation that are aware of who they are, aware of how to get the most out of themselves and aware of those around them to really work towards a stronger business approach. Yeah, nice. So and I know that some of the clients you have worked with, there's some, some big names in there as well, but you've worked with with HR leaders specifically. So I know the response yeah. given there is, is um, how it can be effective for leaders per se. But what about for HR professionals specifically? What have been some of the outcomes you've seen or some of the yeah. Um, yeah, maybe outcomes, positive impacts that have been had from the work that you've done with HR leaders specifically? So it's it's a it's a double edged sword here. HR leaders have lots of different pressures, and we've spoken about this in the past. Yeah. Um, they've got the macro um, company issues that they have to look out for, i.e., um, almost they sit as the bridge between senior leadership and the rest of the business. They have to represent the rest of the business to senior leadership, but then they also have to represent senior leadership back to the business in terms of policies and decisions that are being made. So on one hand, they've got a, that bridge is a very pressurized position that they have to um, balance. And just on the basic level, I act as an out. And a place where people in that position can just vent their frustrations, be able to just talk freely about the pressure that they're under, because it's a lot of pressure to to sit in that position. Um, We've also spoken about the fact that there are so many different um, almost initiatives and and trends and things that come into the HR world. And when we say the HR world, it's the world, but HR has to process it into the business um, that also HR leaders have to manage. So from a a point of view of, of who is supporting the HR leader, I come in into that space where I really help people just have that space to offload and to think in a safe space um about how how they want to move the organization forward how they want to think about initiatives um kind of hidden thoughts that they can't necessarily say to other people because they've got that position on the presumably stop no so i don't mean to there's my interrupting see that's my (laughs) i'm gonna excuse it for that reason but i'm thinking from an hr leader's perspective presumably and and maybe maybe not maybe you can you could probably use the the clifton strengths analysis to also guide them to know who may be the best position to lead particular projects potentially or programs or have you used it then to help work out what why people would sit in the right roles for particular projects and it all kind of fits together like a jigsaw and 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 becomes more impactful or more effective or or is that not not a way that it's used no and and, uh, literally that's what what we're going to talk about that it when when a hr leader really gets the understanding of this is how much it's helped me in understanding 
how I relate to the business, who I am and how I can best use my talents, it then naturally progresses to how can our organisation really utilise strengths as a whole. And so we can start, and I've worked with a, a leader in New York just about even seeking the right people to fill a particular role. What, yeah. I won't say that they're looking for specific strengths because that's not necessarily fair, many routes to success, but what type of person were they looking for? And we took a higher level strengths approach to understanding what is the right person to fit into a role all the way through into, actually, I've got particular people in roles right now and we might call them C graders, D graders, E graders, but actually, is there a misfit between the talents and the strengths that they have and what the job requires? Sure. Actually, can we shift people across and get a better fit? They're not actually misfits. They just misfit the position. Can we slide oh, them over yeah. to somewhere which will get round more Round peg, square hole. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Put it by and round even hole all the way, Yeah, absolutely. And even all the way to, to people actually having to exit the business, can we give them a really good send off in that you weren't necessarily the right fit here, but can we add strengths um, assessment and the strengths um, uh, kind of understanding to helping you find your next role? So it just adds that kind of softer cushion to people exiting the business. So all the way through um, the strengths uh, approach has a massive application. So I have to ask the question. Um, obviously, you are a, a Gallup Strengths aficionado and, and, and you're bought into to the concept they do. And, and yeah. as someone who's been a recipient of that strength assessment, it's something that I've been impressed with as well. And I mentioned earlier that I've been very sceptical about psychometric testing. And I'm, I'm a, you know, as a qualified coach myself, I don't tend to use psychometric assessments in the work that I do. But for others, they really, really are bought in. And there's some really, you know, um, well, I guess, well-received other psychometric assessments out there. One in particular that gets talked about a lot is the insights reports, the idea of colours and how colours work together, you know, putting reds with greens and green, and being able to identify what colour someone is will help teams become more effective is one example. You've got Mars Briggs. You've got many out there. Yeah. How is this one different? What are your view on the others that exist? And I guess, yeah, maybe a bit of a psychometric overview to bring this into context would be really helpful. Yeah, and I get asked this question quite a lot. I have um, a fondness for actually all of the other assessments that are out there because we're all working towards the same thing to help people become more self-aware as to who they are. A more self-aware world is a better world. I think the difference is with Colours and Myers-Briggs and some of the other ones, it's, it's the application afterwards. What can I do with that information to help me become better than I am today. If I know my colours, I think that's fantastic. It just quickly being able to assess how I might compare to somebody else. But where, I always use this analogy. Some of those other assessments bring you almost to the edge of the city, but Clifton Strengths brings you right to the door of your house. It gives you so much insight as to, this is a three bedroom house. It has heated floor it has um a, a loft extension an extension at the back like actual detail so now rather than just knowing that i am four letters and it gives me a rough understanding of who i am now i can see clearly 10 individual knobs that i'm going to walk into every single interaction within my organization i'm going to approach yeah. every single task i'm going to go back to my family and use and now i know this one is on overdrive i need to turn that down right now 
this is one that I should be using, I could be using, I need to turn that up right now. And it gives you a higher level of control over who you are as an individual. Um, and that's necessary when we're in sort of high stakes environments, high pressure environments, um, different sort of major decisions that need to be made. You need to understand what's going on within me so you can get the best out of yourself. Yeah, nice. For those interested in listening, maybe you are, maybe you're not. Well, I'll let you know. My my top strengths were strategic thinking. We talked about uh, achiever, ideation, futuristic, woo, which was a new one for me. And that's what I suspect what my wife may have as a high strength, but we'll see. Uh, okay. Positivity. And when I met you, I thought positivity would be number one. And I was disappointed to see it down at number six. But when we explained <laughs> it, it now makes sense. Uh, activator, input, learner and communication was down in number 10. Um, but obviously, as we know now, that everyone's strength assessment is going to come up with a slightly different result. And it's uh, yes. working through that and understanding what those terms mean. Uh, perhaps it worth before we open HR and default, what if you can bring the woo into the context? This is a new term for me, but I, um, I was fascinated to understand what woo meant, particularly when it came in as one of my top five strengths. It came in at fifth place. What is yeah. what is woo for those that are listening? Well, context, my wife has weird as well. It's probably one of my favorite terms. I've got it down at 15, <laughs> uh, but I still utilize it. But WU stands for winning others over, W-O-O. And it is this incredible ability to be able to walk into a room and just connect with lots of different people, not to a very deep level, but to a level where you understand this person might be a little bit uptight, what do I need to say to help them relax and just become to feel at one and at home and in the environment that we're in? So somebody with who typically is really great at networking events. They go in, they talk to this person, they flutter over to this person and back and forth they go. But in every interaction, they just make people feel as at home and as relaxed as they can. And it's, it's normally with some humor, with a story or a joke, something that just helps people really relax and, and become um, uh, uh just at home and so where you've got um woo and then you've also got positivity at number six or so number five positive number six that creates this double dose of positivity looking at who's feeling down what can i do to bring them up and then woo who's feeling a bit uptight how can i make them relax you're almost just like a warm blanket that just goes around hugging people and <laughs> making them yeah. feel really calm and, i'll take that how are you making me feel now john i'm liking it i'm enjoying <laughs> it it's good it's good fantastic talent <laughs> oh, but let's, let's let's open the the hrlnd vault then um yeah if you could give one piece of advice to the world john what would it be stop looking around and start looking in the mirror because what you need is is right inside of you. It's not in anybody else. There might be some things that people might um, be able to sharpen in you, but all that you need is literally packed inside you like a toolbox or a picnic. You just need to open it up and go deeper into it. Love that. And the idea of gentle reflections can be so powerful when we take the time. A lot of it's time. We don't have the time or we say we don't, or we don't believe we have the time to do it. But the idea of having some gentle reflection, reflective time, so powerful. So I love that. Can I if you have the just really quickly. Go on. Yes, um, of course. When we say sometimes we don't have time, also, like even growing up, our parents have been so busy working that they haven't necessarily, number one, known what to look for, or number two, spent the time uh, investing in us to help us see all some of those things that are really great. So we're not used to spending the time investing in us, and we also don't have any context as to looking at ourselves in a more positive light it's only those things that we've seen as negative so it's a new concept for people to even spend time just looking at themselves and concentrating on themselves but you need to embrace it because that's where you find what you're looking for 
Great point. Great point. I'm glad you I'm glad you came in. Uh, if you had the opportunity, what advice would you give to a younger you just starting out in this new world of work? Ah, oh, tricky, tricky, tricky. Yeah. So I, I went to a, 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 a all boys school and a private school and then a boarding school. And I spent most of my time trying to, again, be like everybody else. Um, and actually, I've got a very unique story, a unique background um, and a unique set of talents. And again, it's similar. I would have just spent more time cultivating who I am to be the unique side of myself rather than, again, just trying to be more posh or more British or more X or more Y. I would have just focused and said that I am enough and just and, and pushed through um, on that perspective. I love that. You know, it reminds me of a parable. I, I love my parables. And there's one here that comes <laughs> to mind when you mentioned that. And um, it's about a, a, a monk is walking by with his with his people, his followers, and he sees a snake that's been burnt by a fire. Right. So he reaches into the fire to save the snake and the snake bites him continuously all the way up the arms. Venomous snake bite, 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 bite. Yes. But he continues to rescue the snake and he pulls it and frees the snake from the fire. And the followers say to him, why did you rescue the snake when it continued to bite you over and over again? His answer was the nature of the snake is to bite. The na My nature is to save and protect. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. So it doesn't matter what the snake does. That's who I am. That's what he is. And that's fine. And I just thought that's quite powerful sometimes. Sometimes we change who we are because we we think yeah. we need to be something else or someone else changes who are our natural, you know, what, what, what comes natural to us. And I think that's yeah. quite a nice, simple story to use. And again, I'd add to that, like, especially in leadership, we have an archetype of what we might have seen as been previous leaders before us Absolutely. as to who we should be. And some leaders are very decisive, commanding and big personalities. And so I'll find someone who is actually a lot more calm, a lot more people focused, um, a lot more consultative, trying to change themselves to be like this commander. But that's not who you are. And actually, if you take who you are, really maximize that, people actually fall in love with who you are, your very nature, um, and, and you'll become that leader who you were born to be, not wasting your time trying to become someone else. I fully, fully agree with that. 100%. Also, Lee's lovely into my last question of the vault, but also... Uh, when we talk about leadership, the idea of commander control is 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 gone anyway. You know, we I watched. I'm a big fan of Succession, and you watch Logan in that, and he he you know rules with command. But actually, the the, the most common answer I won't give away now. I'll be interested to get your responses. Uh, but it's not um, not that power uh, that that people perceive to be as strong as leadership um, quality. Now it's something else. I'll tell you what the most common answer is after I've asked you, in case you give the same response. But okay. it leads me nicely into my final question: What is the guiding principle or behavior you've seen in every great leader that you've worked with? I think it's going to again go back. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it's it's focus on what you do best. And as they do, as they do, it's, it's almost like they are able to bring out the best in other people that are around them because they're being who they are and encouraging others to be who they are. They're not trying to conform everybody to be the same they are expecting people to bring their own unique selves because that's exactly what they need. So I think it's actually a celebration of uniqueness um, that has been that guiding factor. Um, I've seen it in Elon Musk, I've seen it in, in some of the other big leaders, and um, they want you to bring who you are right to the table. So I think that's what I'd say. Listen, I couldn't agree more, but let, if people want to find out more about where to connect with you online, where can I direct them? 
Uh, so if you go to my website, I mean, I've got a big LinkedIn presence. So if you just find me, John Abidipa, on LinkedIn, um, you'll see my name in the caption. Uh, but I've also got my website, catalystgrowthcoach.co.uk, um, and you can find me there. I love just to have conversations with leaders about some of the challenges that they're facing, um, individual uh, individuals that they have in the organisation that they're having a bit of trouble with, all of the problems that they need to solve. I love having conversations. So feel free and just drop me a line and we can we can connect. Fantastic. I will also include a link to those, to those links in the show notes as well. So it's just to remind everyone, catalystgrowthcoach.co.uk. I'll also include a one-page brochure all about John uh, DePay's um, services and, and coaching ethos, things like that. So have a look at that. There'll be a link straight through. And I'll also put his email in there as well. But for those that are listening and perhaps you can't access the show notes, it's coach at catalystgrowthcoach.co.uk. And of course, if you're an HR LD professional listening to this podcast and you have an HR related vacancy that you might need some support with, please do get in touch with either myself or any of my wonderful team at jjrecruitment.com. A link for that will also be in the show notes. Just leaves me to say a huge thank you, John Odebipe. Thank you for joining me today. It's been fantastic. It's been, yeah, I've really enjoyed meeting with you. I've really enjoyed my own assessment. I hope others follow suit. And uh, thanks for joining me today on the HR LD podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. That's it for today's episode of the HR L&D podcast. I hope you found this discussion informative and thought-provoking and that it gave you actionable insights to help you drive your HR agenda forward. Please remember to subscribe to the show so you never miss a future episode. And I'd also love to hear from you. So if you enjoyed this show, please do leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback helps me to ensure I can continue to bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you. Oh, and don't forget to share this show with your colleagues and fellow HR leaders as well. The more we spread the word, the more we can grow our community of HR professionals who I know are all as dedicated to driving the future of work forward as I am. Thanks, of course, for tuning in. My name is Nick Gay. Please do look me up on LinkedIn and send me a connection request. It would be great to get connected. In the meantime, I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the HR L&D podcast real soon.